Thank you. It's good to be with you all again. My name is Mike McQuitty, and I direct the Grace Life Collegiate Ministry and run around to a lot of college campuses in our area. Very appreciative of the partnership that we always share, Um, a partnership not only in the ministry and work that we do together, but also partnership in just the presence and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as we're kind of gathered here and taking that moment of silence, and as I was kind of praying that God would speak and speak to all of us in the service, the Lord was just reminding me that He is here. The Lord is near. And sometimes I think when we uh, get ready and go through service and do ministry and get the music together and get children's ministry together, and we're doing all the things to honor Him, all the work that we do to bring glory to Christ, somehow if you're a little bit like me, we can lose sight of his presence, that he's called us to worship, to give our attention to him, to even in the busyness and the work that we do for him, to pause and remember that he is near, that he's the one who fills us and fills every moment. Jesus himself reminded us of this truth in John 15 when he just said, listen, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me and you will bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And so this morning, let's continue in worship as we enter a time in his word, just to kind of uh, pray and ask God to just fill our thoughts and remind us of truths about his work in our lives and the work he's doing through our lives. Lord, you're here. You are near. We rejoice always in that truth. We're reminded to to let, let the peace of Christ Dwell in us. To to let your presence be that protector and that guard of our hearts and our minds. God, would you uh, take these moments and just grab all of our attention. Let everything else fade away. That we might focus our thoughts and our hearts and our lives upon you. Thank you for making our lives full of your work for your glory, and for our good. So we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit about a ministry that you partner in. You do partner with the Grace Life Collegiate Ministry. We are a ministry that uh, has different sort of instantiations on various campuses. Uh, But this afternoon, there will be a worship service at Johns Hopkins University uh, that runs about 80 students. On Tuesday night is our main meeting uh, that Erica is a part of. Uh, On Tuesday night, we have our meeting at Towson University. Um, Thursdays, UMBC. But all throughout the, the weeks, we also have small group Bible studies at Stevenson University. We have four or five at Towson. Uh, we have uh, three, um, I think, uh, right now at uh, UMBC. We have multiple ones even at Cecil College. So it's kind of exciting to see how God is working uh, among college students uh, today. Um, It is my privilege on a weekly basis. I usually see around 200 students um, in either a Bible study, a worship service, or some of the classes that I get to teach. And your financial support and your prayers of the Grace Life Ministry really enable that to happen. And so we're very thankful that you're enabling the work of God's ministry to continue. Um, This morning, we're actually talking a little bit about work. Um, And with this fall weather hitting, I don't know if anybody's having the... 
oh, where did summer go moments? Anybody kind of like, oh, that last little bit of outside I wanted to get done, and oh, no, now I'm going to be a little chilly actually digging up the gardens. It's like that last little, oh, did we make it to Ocean City that one last time? Any, any Anybody? Yeah, we are, you're ready for fall. All right, well, it reminds me a little bit. I'm going to let you uh, flip the, the, these slides up, uh, see what's going It just died on us. So I'm going to create, well, I'm going to create all kinds of images in your mind. So here we go. Are you ready for me? All right. So, Wendy, I don't think, I don't think we need to worry about it if you don't want to. We can just, yeah, we just, you will just go. Um, and uh, I'm a professional, right? Eric is looking at me like, oh, no, this is going to go badly. No, no, trust me. I'm, it, it's been a long time. It has been my privilege to be one of your missionaries for over 20, 25 years now. So, I, you know, I hopefully I can handle lack of PowerPoint, right? Uh, but let, let's share together a little bit. Uh, I was thinking a little bit about, oh no, I don't even think I made it to the beach this summer. I, not at all. But I, I typically enjoy the water and enjoy it a lot. But I do remember those occasions when I've been trying to do, especially when I was a little bit younger, some of you guys who are younger in our audience remember, uh, getting knocked over by a wave, right? Maybe you were trying to do some kind of a little boogie board thing, body surfing, or you just didn't really time something right, and all of a sudden that bigger wave than you expected knocked you down. And if you're not careful, and if the waves are coming fast enough, about the time that you've kind of got a little bit of the salt water out of your eyes and maybe out of your nostrils, um, another wave comes again. And maybe another wave comes again. And you have not even gotten up before you're knocked down again, spun around again, and it just you're just like, I gotta get up, I gotta get out, I gotta anybody had this experience? Does work feel like that? Do your lives sometimes feel like that? I, every time I call my mother, um, now my mother has been retired for about five years. I say, oh, mom, how's it going? It's chaos. <laughs> I'm like, now mom, <laughs> mom, <laughs> chaos. <laughs> um, oh, and she goes on to a litany about something's got to happen this week. So things tend to be like that in our lives, right? There tends to be work, there's responsibilities, there's family, there's certainly occupation, there's ministry things that we were planning to do with small groups or Bible studies that we have to teach children's ministry, worship planning. It comes on and on and on. And I mean, no sooner do I feel like I'm standing up than things hit me again. I've actually moved to teaching five days a week. So Every day, I've got to have lessons planned, talks. I, I, I t- it's like planning sermons, but I think I do two to three a day. And I'm just like, I, I, somebody give me some oxygen. <laughs> you know, just how much work do we have to do? Well, in the scripture, um, the Apostle Paul gives us some really interesting understanding. And one of the things that he says in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he just says, listen, I count my life worth nothing. If only I might finish the task and complete the work that the Lord Jesus Christ has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? 
I'm not so worried about how much rest I'm getting or how many good activities. I count my life worth nothing if only I might finish that task or complete the work that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul was a missionary, and he was very focused. His life was sort of pinpointed to the idea of Jesus needs to be known by everybody. I think I was reminded a couple weeks ago just how true this is. Um, my, my new class that I'm teaching this fall is Introduction to Philosophy. You're already bored. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> it's not the greatest topic in the world. And I mean, my the poor, the poor students taking that class are like, yeah, it's right. I had them write down, why are you taking this class? And everybody like, because we had to. Yeah, there was no, oh, because I just wanted to learn more about Descartes and Cartesian, uh, you know, dualism or Humean skepticism. And no, no, nobody seemed very interested in all of these topics. But we did, however, just complete a unit where we got to explore all the different philosophical explorations of why does God exist. Um, re- arguments for God existing, arguments against God's existence. Yes, sir. Do I? Well, I probably do. They're determined to help me do this. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach. It's the last one, like the task and work. The task and work from Acts 20. Or else you're going to get like quizzes and PowerPoints. You guys might have to do a quiz on Cartesian dualism. I don't know what's going to pop up. Depending on what they pull up there. But all kinds of things. So where were we? We were talking about um, this philosophy, and a lot of the students were responding about uh, whether or not they believe in God. They had to write a paper, an argument on whether they believe in God, don't believe in God, what arguments they find most persuasive, and these kinds of things. Well, interesting, for for me, the idea of how real uh, this knowledge of God is, as I'm reading students' responses, as I'm reading what they're writing for me uh, on their different reading assignments, as I'm reading about these papers, seeing the perspective of how, like, well, actually, I don't really know. Maybe there's hope, but there sure does seem a lot of problems. There seems to be a lot of evil in the world. What if there was a God? How could I even figure it out? I would say there's maybe two or three believers out of the set of two different classes. Very few people actually have any kind of faith or faith background or, or any kind of knowledge of who Jesus is. God kind of reminded me and just said, you know, why am I not more quickly turning the question of, well, do you have a faith? Do you believe in God? Do you have a relationship with God? Because I know. I know. And one of the students in the class finally broke down and said, Dr. McQuitty, do you believe in God? Well, I'm glad you asked. Now, I haven't told them the complete answer yet because I want to get through the unit. I don't want them to think it influences their paper grades. But I'm so excited about our next unit on truth. Because I'm, I, there comes a moment when I've got to testify. There just comes a moment when I've just got to say, actually, um, I do believe in truth. In fact, I met him. I met him. The one who is the way, the truth, and the life. The one who you can't come to the Father except through him. That's his word. And he guaranteed it by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Savior and our King. So, work at testifying to Jesus Christ, that's my privilege. That's my task. Everything else really is secondary. Everything else is really just something we put aside.
So the reality is, one of the things we see in Scripture is that work is actually good. Work is actually good. It's something that God created for us to be a part of and for us to do. In the book of Genesis, um, we actually see this idea of work. Oh, look, I think they, they figured it out. Um, Let's see how far we go. There it is. Genesis chapter 2. I'm I'm about to pull it up. The Lord God took man and put him into the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Wait. I was thinking the garden of Eden. This is before the fall. This is before sin had entered the world. This is from the very beginning. What does it say? God put man in the garden to do what? Yeah, see, that, I always thought that work was like part of the fall, right? I thought all this stuff, now maybe the difficulty of work does have to do something with the fall. But work is actually something that we were created for. It's actually something that is good. Let's go keep going. Uh, Christians, I believe, actually should be busy. We should be busy. Think about it this way. Everybody that has been created has some kind of job or occupation or work that we do. Plus, everybody in the world has got family responsibilities of some sort, uh, neighbors, uh, biological family, other people that they sort of adopted into their lives that they help take care of and love on and, and serve. We've all got family responsibilities. Christian, we all pay taxes and have to fill out forms and governmental forms for our taxes coming up next year. We all have things that we're going to do beyond that. But we all, but as believers, as Christians, we also have sort of the kingdom work that we do together. Putting together worship service, doing the mission that God has for us, teaching and leading and making disciples of others. This is one of the things that I feel like in my life I get to be involved in through the college ministry in particular, right? So you can see some pictures there. There's mentorship that we do. Um, from my wife and I um, both have small group discipleship that we do with young college students and young adults. Um, plus leadership teams that I kind of de- do. That's sort of that, that top picture. Um, my wife, of course, is a professor as well at Towson. And she's working, writing her, her publications, doing her classes, directing stuff. How's that class going, by the way, Erica? All right. Erica's actually taking my wife's class this semester. Um, better, stay on, be better on top of that. Okay, all right. Um, she knows she's supposed to. But also the missions of God, the worship services. You see one of the ones, I think that's at, at uh, College Park, actually. Uh, but as I told you, we have worship services each week um, with about 80, 160 students every week just coming to worship services. So just putting that together, who's doing the music? Who's doing the, 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 the publicity? Who's keeping everybody informed? Who's doing the small group discipleship? Who's doing the discussion groups? Everything that has to be put together, just like you do for church, our students are doing for college ministry. Um, the outreach events that we do. The, the mission experiences that we do. The four times a week that Erica and the team from Towson are doing uh, tutoring after school at the Graffiti uh, Church Center. Um, the, the every other youth, week youth nights that they're doing. This is all part of the work that God has given us to do. What has God given you to do? Christians should be busy. Christians should be busy. So let's see. How do we complete the task? Flip to the next slide. There it is. There's that verse. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. We're supposed to complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given us. That task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Well, let's go on. Keep Next slide. 
How do we complete the task? Well, we complete the task in part because this fulfills a lot of God's purpose for us. Um, It says that in Genesis that on the seventh day, God had finished his work that he was doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And I know Pastor Chad and I know this church that Sabbath is important and important for us. But notice that God was working. Jesus himself ends up saying that my father is always at work. So I too am working. It says in, in chapter 127 that God created man in his image. That, that we are also created therefore to have Sabbath, but created also to work. That this is part of how God fulfills his purpose in us. Well, if we're to be in God's image, if we're to work like him, is it just sort of mundane and regular? No, our work is actually just like God's work was creative. Our work is creative. It is supposed to involve some of who God has made us uniquely to be and to be expressions of that work. Flip to this next slide. This is where I I really enjoy my work in particular. God has given me some different things to do that allow me to be creative. Some of that is in working with students. Um, You you would think that that would not be as creative maybe as you think. We kind of do the same thing year after year. It's like, all right, game night. Okay, yeah, game night. Okay, uh, community service outreach. Okay, same old community. You would think it's the same, but it's actually really different. Now, i got to be honest. My part of it is not to plan the game nights. My plan, my part of it is not to actually even plan the mission trips anymore. We have student leaders that do that. They, they don't need me to make it fun. In fact, I might make it unfun <laughs> at this point in my life. The, the goal is for them to do that. But where's the creativity for me? The creativity for me in my life is to help students be inspired by the Word of God, to discover their gifts. The creativity for me is in the mentorship. The creativity is in, for me is in helping them get connected to God's Word in a real way that their relationship grows, to make disciples. I have a group that meets on Thursday night. I'm so excited about this set of young men. We're walking through the Scripture, training them. I have one on Wednesday afternoon and one on Thursday evening. But to train these uh, three young men in each group, To then train others to hear God's voice. How do you do that? Just walking through the story of the Bible. What did God speak to you? What patterns did you see in God's word? How do you see God's character coming out? How do you hear God's voice? So that you can help others learn to have an authentic relationship with God. Doesn't that sound fun? This is brand new. I've never done it this way before. I've never, in all the years I've been making disciples, never kind of walked through the scripture this way with with sets of three. My pastor encouraged us to do it this way. It's a new thing he wanted us to try. And it's really fun and it's really different. We're still making disciples. But it's creative. It's creative. It's helping students discover how God can use them. Um, I, last year, uh, we had our new, brand new leadership team at UMBC, and they put together a coffee house that had 120 students come. They put it together. They found the place. They invited the guest speakers. They figured out how to raise money through the program so that we could help support uh, some missionaries for people in sex trafficking overseas. They uh, put together all the different acts and all the different performances. I think I picked up the donuts. Yeah, I, I think that was my job. My job was just to be player coach. Here, you guys, do. what do you want to do? Anyway, it was a bunch of freshman girls that really pulled this thing off this last year. It was their first year, their first experience, their first learning to work together. That's what, for me, it's about letting them find their creative avenues for God to do work in them and through them. Weddings. I think we have 13 weddings this year connected with my church. 
helping young couples. Um, I began to write, just writing devotions for young couples, for newly married. Because, like, that's just a new thing for me to do. I think that's just something God gave me to do. Um, Because we've got so many young couples connected to our church. What do we do? Where is God calling you to be creative? I've got Aristotle up there, too. Um, I did a master's in philosophy 20 years ago. And now CCBC asked me to teach this class. I don't remember. I mean, I'm having to go back and research all of it. Okay, oh, now I remember what human skepticism was about. Oh, now I remember. Okay, I'm having to go back. That's creative for me. What is your work? Is it just a burden? Or are there ways that God is calling you to be creative? Ways that God is calling you to not only be in the lives of others, but to use the gifts and talents that he has given you so that, so that you might be a blessing to others. We complete the task because it fulfills his purpose, his purpose in conforming us to his image. The creativity of God, which spun galaxies into existence, who made planets unique, who made each snowflake unique. Who put together the molecules and the atoms and everything that goes into a, a single-celled organism. Michael Behe's irreducible complexity is one that we look at for those of you that like that stuff um, uh, in my class. Um, this idea of how complex and how, how intricate the world is in each living cell. Where's the creativity in your work? What has God called you to do? Not just in your occupation, but in your family and in the ministry that God has given you to do. Let's go on. We also complete the task that God has given us because it prepares us for what is next. It prepares us for future assignments. Now, this is played out, right? Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 3.9, he says, We are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. We see this task over and over again in the story of God as he works with individuals preparing them for what's next. Think about, for example, with me, uh, some of our stories from the Old Testament. At Stevenson University, I actually get to teach Old Testament, and we just run through in a semester the entire Old Testament uh, story um, and all the different types of literature. We're working on Semitic parallelism right now um, from the Psalms. And so we run through those stories. But think about with me some of the big ones you might know. Do you remember Joseph? Betrayed by his brothers? Sold into slavery, working for Pharaoh's captain of the guard until he's falsely accused by the, his master's wife, ends up in prison for over seven years. Till one day, he finally, because of how God used him to interpret dreams, he moves to be Pharaoh's right-hand man and saves all the ancient Near East from a terrible famine. Now... Working in Potiphar's house as chief steward to one of Pharaoh's chief officials meant that he was in charge of a lot of things. How to work with the rich of the rich, the wealthy of the wealthy, the influential of the influential in Egypt. So he was ready to serve in Pharaoh's court. However, being in prison, working with those who were dejected and maybe The ones who had not and didn't have much. The ones who had lost everything. He could work with the the rest of Egypt, the masses, who were losing their homes, their farms, their everything because of famine. 
Joseph was uniquely prepared for what God had for him to do. But he had to be faithful in the task. He had to be faithful at Potiphar's house. He even was faithful in prison. We see it in the same story in Moses' life, in Samuel's life, in David's life. How God prepared him to be king. First by being a shepherd. Taking on lions and bears to face Goliath. Serving in King Saul's court and as one of the military leaders to finally have his own little, little mini army. His own group of people, his own town. Later his own tribe of Israel that he led. And finally till he was king of all of God's people. Every step of the way, as he was faithful, God prepared David for what was next. I think the mo- one of the most fun things, one of the most significant things in my life, is to watch God work in people's lives to prepare them for what is next. To prepare them for what is next. I could tell you about students long ago, and these are my, some of my favorite ones, but how John became a Christian, how he learned to make disciples on our campus, who he was one of our missionaries as a USC tour overseas in, in, in uh, South Asia, where he was proclaiming the gospel in some pretty hostile regions to where God sent even his background as a Chinese American to prepare him for work in East Asia. All of these steps, how God moved him to be a missionary. But it's not just about missionaries, right? It's about people like Sean. Sean uh, was a bioengineering major. Smart, brilliant young man. Worked uh, from Virginia. Uh, Came and as he finished off his schooling, he went and decided, you know, actually I want to give back. And so he did kind of a Teach for America type program for New York City called New York City Teaching Fellows, um, where he went into uh, Harlem and began to teach uh, in uh, some of the, the, actually more of the inner city area right next to Harlem uh, in, in New York City. And he's done that for years. He moved up to be principal and an assistant vice principal, and God kept preparing him. And now he's leading an entire nonprofit organization in Jersey uh, to move students who have no access to college to 97% of his students that go through his program go to college. This is a young man who's making a difference. This is a young father who's making a difference. This is someone who, yeah, had a, had a, had a passion for learning. But as an African-American young man, understood that there were some certain situations where not every student has the same access and has the same privilege. And so he decided to go in as a teacher. But as a teacher, he learned how certain systems needed to be changed. So he moved as a, as a principal. And then he decided that actually even out of that, this other nonprofit organization could mobilize more people who have less access uh, to education into a place where they do have access. I appreciate young men like Sean. I appreciate what God do, is doing in lives like theirs. The students today are completely the same. Do I want to say the same or... No, they're unique and special. Okay, they're they're unique and special. I will say this. The group at Towson right now is one of the best student groups I've ever worked with. I mean, just an exciting, dynamic group. Yeah, okay, Erica, calm down. Um, There's a little picture there, a group of the month. Right right, right there, you see it in the corner. They were a group of the... Do you realize that there's like, like... I don't even know how many student groups. There's a hundred... 150 different student organizations, and out of all of those, Grace Life was recognized as the best. 
doing the most community service, the most diverse, the most exciting leadership. I mean, they're just saying, the other groups are like, yeah, this one, this, this, this one's doing the most stuff. They were doing mission trips to Puerto Rico. They're doing all this tutoring that I mentioned. It's an exciting group of students. And we had students walk into one of the fraternities. He's like, hey, I just heard all this group that sounded like they were having a lot of fun. That's why I came to Bible study night. It's just not like the most fun group on campus. God is preparing them for the work that he has for them to do. All the, the inner city work, uh, this is inspiring the next generation of teachers. All of the work they're doing overseas, this is calling out the next generation of missionaries. All the ways they're learning to make disciples, this is the next group of church leaders that are going to be the young men and young women that are going to lead our congregations. Thank you for your support of that Grace Life ministry. You see one picture, that's the UMBC group. Um, we just celebrated this summer, Daniel. Daniel was our student president. He learned to make disciples. He learned to, to actually share his testimony better. He learned to lead a ministry. And we sent him off this summer. Um, he's an education major. We sent him off to be a teacher in Thailand to do mission work with a Christian mission there. In two weeks, we're sending Carlos. You know Carlos. He's been part of this congregation at, at different points. Um, Carlos is preparing to leave for Cambodia. He went with us on mission trip uh, not uh, two summers ago um, and uh, just fell in love with the people there. And ever since then, has been just trying to figure out how God could make a way for him to go back. He's found a job uh, in in Cambodia. He's found a ministry to connect with. And he's trying to fulfill God's calling in his life. What's happening God's working. He's calling out his people. He's sending out his servants. He's doing the work that he's doing in them today to prepare them for the work that he's calling them to do in the future. Now, some of you are looking at me going, that is so great for those young people. So great for those young people. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit beyond, and I'm, I'm joining you. I've got to be honest. This is the year that I'm like, yeah, I, I graduated to old person status. I, I went to the doctor. Um, this, this, I, I did. Literally this week, I had to go and made a, made a doctor's visit about some issues that I'm having uh, with some heart things. And the doctor said, oh, oh let, me, let me explain it to you. Um, when you enter later middle age, okay, so, <clears throat> so my official diagnosis is later middle age. That, 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 that's actually what's wrong with me. Okay, okay, thank you. Sometimes we stop thinking that the faithfulness now is about things that God has for our future. But don't be mistaken. My mother, interestingly enough, in retirement, has begun to work with international students. Uh, she teaches English classes, and she's been working with uh, a lot of Japanese and Chinese and others who have come to the United States to study, uh, where she does English training for them. And all of a sudden, God has begun to open doors for her to share the gospel over and over. She's seen many come to know Christ, and she's like, you know, all that time that I was the international student director as a volunteer for a while at the seminary has prepared me to work with international students. Huh, I never knew. I was like, yeah, that's right. Faithfulness now is always providing, preparing us for the ministry that's next. Where is God calling you to be faithful right now? Because you don't know what that might lead to in the future. But we also are faithful for another reason. Let's go to this next slide as we see. We complete the task. Why? Because it creates a rightful dependence on the Lord. Did you hear that? We need to be stretched. We need to be working with God. We need to be out there a little bit beyond our capacity so that we are rightfully dependent on the Lord. 
In Genesis, it said it this way. The Lord planted the garden. He put man there he had formed. Remember, he put man there to work. But the Lord made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye, good for food. And in the middle of the garden, there was a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Who planted the garden? The Lord. Who made the trees grow? The Lord. Now, now, if God did all the work, what was Adam doing? Well, pruning, trimming, harvesting. He had something to do. But the real work was done by God. You know, I work hard. And sometimes I, I, I feel overwhelmed. How am I going to get all of this done? How is all of this going to change going to happen? How are our campuses we're going to see revival? I'm actually not going to make that happen. And if I ever thought I was going to make that happen, I would just be a little self-delusional. It's the Lord who works. The Lord who brings about the change. The Lord who brings about any significant work that's going to happen at Valley Baptist Church won't be because you have a great pastor like Pastor Chad. It won't be because you prayed harder, though we should be praying. It won't be because you planned the best Sunday school lesson ever even though we should do our best job in our preparations. It's because God moves, God works, and God does what only God can do. My, my wife really helps me in this because, um, uh, I have to be careful because her chair is here, uh, but uh, my wife actually, I, I feel that she's a little nuts on this, but she actually sometimes prays that God would give her more work than she can do. Don't ever quote her on that. Quote me on that, Bob, because she'll she'll kill me. Um, um, but, but she does actually pray that so that she would have a right dependence. So that there would be problems that could be solved only by God. There was one that popped up this week, and I got a text from her. She's like, ah, I said, let's pray. And we prayed, and the Lord answered it that day. Because we have to do our work in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of God, because ultimately we aren't going to get it done. God gets it done in us and through us. It helps us bring glory to the Father. Did you know Jesus said it that way? When he was about to go to the cross, on that night he was betrayed in John 17, he's praying a prayer. And he says to the Father, I have brought you glory by finishing the work you gave me to do. We bring glory to God by finishing that work that he gave us to do. But he does it through us. He does it in us for his glory and to bring others to know him. Because if we could do it all ourselves and if it was all so wonderful of what we've accomplished, guess what? We get all the glory and then we'll have a lot of disciples that want to follow us. I don't need any more of those. What we need is to be pointing people to God. Because God has worked in us and through us. And everybody knows that it was impossible for us to get it done on our own. It was only through the strength that God gives. Only through the power that God gives. Only through the supernatural working of the Holy Spirit. That anything was accomplished. Our work needs to be in God's hands. Our work needs to be empowered by His Spirit. Our work needs to be for the purpose of bringing Him glory. And bringing other people to know Him. So we see in this next slide, let me, even the best leaders, Eric, I know you wanted to be in one of the pictures, there you are, um, <clears throat> she counts on that, even the best leaders can't do it alone. I'm so excited about the group of students over at Towson, I really am, I, I, can't, I can't brag on them enough, but they're not actually going to do anything of lasting value that is not empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
They're not going to do anything that really has an impact and brings real life change unless God is at work. They're not really going to accomplish what my hopes and dreams are and even their hopes and dreams apart from a relationship with Jesus. That kind of brings us to sort of the final point here, doesn't it? Some of you today, you may be coming to church. Maybe you're a young person. Maybe you're uh, uh, in, in elementary school, high school, middle school. But you've never given your life to Jesus. You think, oh, I want to be a doctor. Oh, I want to be this. I want to do all of these things with my life. Apart from Jesus, your accomplishments really amount to nothing. You see, only Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again to give you eternal life and a relationship with God through His Holy Spirit that He puts in you. If you don't have God's Holy Spirit, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, then you're still apart from Him. But He's inviting you right now to join His people, to be part of His purpose and part of His plan. But you have to say, yes, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Maybe you need to ask a Sunday school teacher or, or a pastor or even me or a parent what it is to follow Jesus today. But some of us who are adults, it's the same thing, right? Maybe we've never given our lives to Jesus. We've been in church maybe our whole lives. But if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're still apart from him. You've had a successful life trying to do things on your own. But God's calling you to so much more, into a relationship with him where he uses you for his glory. For his purposes. How will you respond? You see that's why his burden is easy. Um, His yoke is light. That's what Jesus said. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You don't earn a relationship with God. You don't somehow convince him that you're good enough. You You don't win his approval. Through Jesus Christ. He has made you righteous. He has qualified you for an inheritance you could never earn. Jesus did the work for us. Jesus gave his life for you. Will you give your life back to him? This last verse just kind of reminds us that we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Why? To now do good works that he's laid out in advance for us to do. If you are a Christian... Perhaps this verse is for you. Have you said yes? Have you said yes to the work that God has for you to do? What is it? Lay your life in his hands. I promise he'll make it clear. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the work you have been doing, the work you have done through the cross, the work you will do through your Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you. God, I pray that you'd call us into a deeper walk, deeper faithfulness, so that you might receive the glory and more people might come into this relationship with you. We ask all of these things knowing that you hear us in the name of Jesus. Amen.